Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Bree. And with us today, we have special guest Sarah and I have been freaking out for the past couple of weeks, <laughs> and now we're freaking out even more. We have author Rayanne Thane here on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, ma'am. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Yay. Oh, we are so excited. Okay, so first we want to chat about reading. So in your Instagram bio, you write that when you're not writing, you're reading every chance you get. And from reading your website, we know you have been devouring romance novels since junior high. How was it that you became introduced to the genre? And do you remember any of your earlier like favorite authors or titles? Oh, of course. So my mom was a big romance reader and she always had a box or two in her room and I would go take them probably far younger than I should have been reading some of them, <laughs> um, but absolutely adored them. And the very first real romance novel, I mean, I, I had read like some Harlequin short things like in the Outback, Margaret Way and, and authors like that. Um, but I remember reading a Jude Devereaux book. It was called The Enchanted Land. And that was my, I would think I was maybe 12. And that was like my intro to romance. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this so much. And so after <laughs> that, it was, <laughs> it was every chance I could find. And actually, I, I had the chance to meet Jude a couple of years ago. It was like the highlight of my life. I'm like, I can't believe I'm actually meeting you That's when you awesome. started everything for me. And here we are, you know, doing an <laughs> event together. It was so wonderful. I have a picture that is just one of my cherished pictures of her. Um, so yeah, and I just, I read, and then I was lucky enough, my best friend's older sister subscribed to it every Harlequin presents. And so she had them all, she had built a shelf in her bedroom um, and they were all lined up and she would let me like take two a week as long as I brought them back. And then I could get two more a week, <laughs> which, you know, as a romance reader is not enough to, no, no. <laughs> but it was enough to, you know, get me, I felt that's kind of where I fell in love with, with series romance was from that experience. I did like the Harlequin, the old Harlequins. I read a lot of medicals. I don't think they were called, I think they were just called Harlequins at the time, not, yeah. not medicals at the time, but the, I loved those. This one set in England with the handsome doctor and the beautiful nurse and things like that. Yep, so yep. Turn off my phone notifications. I thought I had done that or my. <laughs> That's, That's right. interesting. You know what? I think Jude Devereaux, this is the first time we've heard Jude Devereaux on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh, she really? Is like, and it's, that's a question that I I like wanted to ask. Like, who's an author that you have fangirled over? Yeah, meeting? Definitely her. <laughs> definitely her. Well, and you know, I've I've been at this for a, a few years, and so I've had the opportunity to meet everybody that I ever started reading, except for you know some of the older authors who never came around to the romance conferences and things like that. You know, some mm -hmm. of the older English beginning Mills and Boone's authors that yeah. I maybe started with, but. But all of the all of my favorite authors now are people that I know and and email with back and forth and oh, and it's a fan girl too you know I mean I plot with Jill Chalvis who is one of my best friends but but you know I fan girl her too so <laughs> so just a plug okay so we have a book club with one of our best friends named Chloe and we actually did a live show with Jill Chalvis I don't know like October back in the fall I think back in the fall yeah. And she told us that y'all were like best friends and plotted <laughs> together and would take trips to the beach. And we yeah. were like, we just want to be flies on the wall. Well, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> all of our angst. Is what it is. Like, oh, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> that's basically what our plot groups turn into. <laughs> all stressing, stressing about all the 
hard oh. work. Writing is hard work. And yes, feels too overwhelming. <laughs> but Jill is fabulous. So another thing on your website you share is a bit about your journey to becoming a writer and that you weren't someone who knew early on in life that you were destined to be a writer. You were well into your career as a journalist. You'd progressed from reporter to editor. And all the while, you'd been writing stories in your head. So can you break down for us the journey for from the moment you realized, okay, these stories in your head wanted you to do something with, with them to selling your first book in 1995? Like, what did that look like? That was quite a journey. Um, so I I knew I wanted to write a romance novel kind of starting in high school when I discovered words. So before that, I was very involved with drama, debate, different things like that. And I thought I was going to be like a teacher or something like that. And then I, I, my mom kind of made me take a journalism class in high school because I was doing too many drama and debate things. She wanted me to kind of stretch my wings in a different direction. And I just really fell in love with telling stories and worked for my high school paper and went on to get a degree in journalism. And, but even then, you know, I talked to all my friends and everybody about how I was going to write a romance novel. Remember my best friend, her sister is the one who sort of was my crack. right? And so we would talk about like what my pseudonym would be when I was a romance writer and all these, <laughs> but I didn't start. So I, so I went to college. I got a job right out of college working for uh, the local daily newspaper um, and became a reporter. And then a few years later became an editor um, and I got married in quite young. And in the meantime there, um, when my husband and I had our first child, I'd been working as an editor, well, as a reporter for about three years. Um, and we, uh, I had my daughter and I was a home on maternity leave. And I thought, well, I have this time. It was just not very long, six weeks or whatever, abysmal uh, maternity leave I had. But, uh, you know, I've got this baby who does sleep sometimes. Maybe this is my time to actually sit down and write some of these thoughts that have been in my head, you know. And so I just kind of sat down and started and it was awful. The first couple times, couple tries were awful. Uh, so I just kept at it and kept at it. And then um, I kind of started like reading books about how to romance, write romance novels. I didn't know about RWA or anything like that. I didn't know any of the intro um things, but I just read some books that were out there about how to formulate a book and put it together. I just kept trying. And then I ended up with a, with a plot group, which was enormously helpful. I went to a conference, a writer's conference, met these people who lived sort of near me and we ended up doing a plot group and I would bring my book there and, you know, we'd have to write it. I at least have to get something done because I knew I had plot group once a month, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'd have to, at least, even though I was dealing with this new baby and full, working full time, I'd at least have to write a chapter or something so I could bring it to plot group. And yeah. they were like my first readers who laughed at the places I wanted them to laugh at and got <laughs> emotional at the parts that I wanted them to get emotional about. And so it was so rewarding to think, wow, you know, before this, I'd just been writing for myself and thinking, this is really fun. I'd love to send this. I don't know what to do, but I don't know. I don't have the courage to send it off anywhere. But seeing that reaction made me think, wow, I really want to, to have readers read my work. I think I could bring something to this, to this business and, and tell stories that make people happy. And so I started submitting. And so from the time I started writing, when we had our daughter until I finally sold to love swept, I had, in the meantime, I had tried many times to sell to special edition. That was like my dream house. Mm -hmm. And, and they rejected me. Although 
looking back, it was not really a rejection. It was this idea doesn't work. We like your writing style. Please send us something else, you yeah. know, and mm -hmm. I didn't see it as that because I was so naive really and inexperienced. So I just kept writing and kept writing um, and submitting and finally sold to Love Swept five years later. So it took me five years from the time I sat down to write until when I finally sold. And then I did um, five books for Love Swept. And in the meantime, we had a second child and I had quit my newspaper job to stay home with him and to write. I was thinking, here I am. I've sold five books. I'm on my way. You know, I can mm -hmm. at least, I'm not making any money right now, but at least, you know, I've got something. I know that there's a possibility. And so um, I, we, I quit my job and our income was cut in half and our son had some special needs. And so it was really kind of, um, you know, a, a really stressful time, but I thought I need to write for two publishing houses so that I can um, sort of, bring a little more income stream in and figure yeah. things out a little bit better that way. And so um, I submitted to, I, ha I got an agent actually. And then um, she helped me submit to uh, at the time, intimate moments, silhouette, intimate moments. And then uh, about a year later, they bought my book. And at the round that same time, love swept discontinued the line. So it worked out that I actually, I think I was without a publisher for about, six seven months but because i had already started that process you mm -hmm. know submitting to them i i was a little better off than some of the authors that love swept who were just kind of cut off and didn't have anything else in the works mm -hmm. so. anyway and i've been sorry i need to grab a drink just a second okay <laughs> and i've been with um the same editor who bought me at um intimate moments is still my editor we've been we've done 60 something books together Oh wow. my gosh. Shout awesome. out to editors. <laughs> right? Gail Chasen, and she's fabulous. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy you brought that up because that was something that Sarah and I chat about quite a bit, but you it's hard because there's not a lot on the internet. But it just sounds like during that time where there were these different category series under different publishers it kind of seems like a time of uncertainty because I was, we were looking at it and I'm like, okay, so Ray and Thane was with, um, she was with Love Swept. She did five books. And then shortly after they're gone. So it's mm -hmm. like, it just sounds like, you know, it there, we see so many series that have come and gone. And mm -hmm. it's like, so, so to know that like you were part of one, but you were already in the process of linking up with another right. one and then this one's gone. So you're already good. It's like, kind of a breath it's a breath of fresh air definitely but then like you said there were some authors that it was just it they were done well and i think most of them eventually i mean jill was there at the same time yeah. we were both at love swept at the same time and i think every everybody who who really was driven ended up finding another place you know because mm -hmm. you, you make new connections and and if you're if you have stories to tell, you're not going to let the closing of a line stop you. Stop but you. I will say, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know that writers today really understand how it was then. You had no options. If if you lost your publisher and you couldn't find another one, that was it, you know, because mm -hmm. you didn't have self-publishing at the time. You It was just, you had basically at the time it was Harlequin Silhouette. And like I said, I had tried to, tried really hard to get in with Silhouette and I stopped writing for a while because they rejected these two um, ideas that I'd sent them and thought, well, I guess I don't have what it takes, you know, mm -hmm. not understanding. It was just, I just needed to find the right idea for them and the right fit for them. Um, but you know, it, it was, it was a lot, um, very much a different, um, 
different situation than writers have today. And I envy writers today because they have so much more opportunity and so much more, you know, ability to get their books in the hands of readers uh, than mm-hmm. we did at the time. But, you know, so it still worked out. And, and I've been so fortunate to have amazing publishers. I loved Love Swept. I would have stayed there and been very happy. I still would have probably needed a, more income because they just didn't have the same distribution that Harlequin did. Mm-hmm. So the Harlequin books always made more because they, they had a better distribution system than Love Swept ever did. That makes sense. So we have a lot of listeners that are new to category. So mm-hmm. how would you describe Love Swept to someone who's never read it before? So it, it was really a training ground for some amazing authors. I think, you know, if you look at like Iris Johansson started there, Sandra Brown started there, mm-hmm. Tammy Hogue was there. Um, I, there, there was so much, Jill Chavez again, was, there were so many authors who kind of started there. They took authors, you know, who maybe had a little bit different voice than Harlequin wanted at the time. So they were, they allowed you to do a lot more, um, a lot more things. The other thing is they required you to use your own name. So I couldn't get a pen name. And at the time that was kind of a big deal because Harlequin, um, back in the day, they would own your pen name. So they, you come up with a pen name and, and they would own it in, in a lot of cases. And so you couldn't take that with you to another publishing house. Then mm-hmm. they would maybe find somebody else to write under that pen name from what I understand. I don't know um, wow. all the details there, but but um, so Love Swept kind of in response to that, I think required you to use your actual name. And so I didn't have an option to get a pen name when I started out, um, even if I would have wanted one. Um, but they, I don't know, they were just like Shauna Summers, who's now like one of the senior editors at, at um, Phantom somewhere. I don't know where exactly mm-hmm. where she is now, but she, she was an editor there. Um, she was one of the editors that I worked with and they just were really supportive of their authors and really encouraging. And I think they did try to build them into other, into other places in their publishing program, you okay. know, but they did let you have the freedom where it was like, I wrote very much suspense books when I wrote for love swept, they, they, mm-hmm. they were very much similar to what intimate moments was at the time where it was became romantic suspense, but it was very mm-hmm. um, much, I was able to bring in, you know, bad guys and, and women in jeopardy themes and things like that. And they, they were fine with that. They kind of let you do whatever you wanted. It wasn't necessarily so pigeonholed, like, you know, yeah. where special edition is very small town. You have to have those sort of, small town, warm, emotional elements in your story. Um, and, you know, Desire obviously is sexy mm-hmm. and uh, like the Harlequin romances were sweeter and, and kind of more warmer, small townish stories too. But you could do any of that in Love Swept. There were no parameters as far as that. Oh, it's just mainly a parameter of, of um, word length was the main thing there. So, your series was Home in Whiskey Creek, right? <laughs> it was actually so, just Whiskey Creek, yeah. Just, <laughs> so it was like we're doing, we're like on your website and like making sure we have titles correctly. And like I get on um, thriftbooks.com and I'm like, well, I'm going to buy these in physical copy. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like looking at the titles and I'm like, I have this series in ebook. <laughs> So what happened is that I got the rights back when they closed the line. And so those are my only self-published books because they're the only ones I actually have the rights back to. Okay. So I put them up myself after um, I did. I actually little, little 
secret here, <laughs> expert tip, is I actually kind of tone them down a little bit because I wrote sexier in my early days. And so the ones that are actually available now are not quite as sexy as the book that books. So you can get the originals and you might read it and say, hey, this is not exactly the same. <laughs> it's because, you know, once I started writing in single title, my books were very sweet. And I, if I was going to self-publish these other ones, I didn't want readers coming into them and saying, what is this? This is not who I yeah. thought, you know, I was getting when I picked this book up. So I didn't like tone it down completely, but I, but tone it down a little bit compared to what okay. they were originally. So, and, and I love those books. There's still one more that I won't self-publish that I, that was not part of that series. And it, it's, it was my very first book that I wrote and it was kind of my training ground there. <laughs> and I won't self, I won't publish that one. We'll, we'll keep that one under the bed. But the other four, I still, I still, I, you know, when I went back through to get them ready to self-pub, I thought this is, I was a lot better than I thought I was as a beginning writer. You know, I, I, you forget when you've written as many books as I have, what those books were, you know, and so it was really quite enjoyable for me to go back and edit those and get them ready for self-publication. So what's the process of getting your rights back like, and like at, you know, what inspires you to make that move of like, I want to get these and do something mm -hmm. with them. Is it just like, I want to do an update or like, what is that at, like? At the time? Well, so where I am with Harlequin, where they are publishing my front list now, mm -hmm. I really don't have, I won't get the rights back for my backlist probably now because they republish them. They package them. They put yeah. them together with other authors. And, and like, I have a couple of them out in the, just about every month there's a book of mine uh, out in the mm -hmm. store because they package it with somebody else, which is great for me because those books still uh, go out there. And then people who we definitely hauled one last month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got another one, I think next month. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. They send yeah. me a box and a box shows up. I was like, Oh, they're putting that one out again. There <laughs> are some, I'm like, why don't they put that one? Cause I get so many reader requests for some of them, you know, but, and, but it's great for me just because it, I, I think readers who've never read me early mm -hmm. in the day and only have discovered me since like my, my Hope's Crossing and Haven Point series can go back and find those now that they maybe had no idea that I was even mm -hmm. writing at the time. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's been good for me. Um, but I, I can't remember where we started with that question. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but the, um, the process, the reason I put the, those books out is because I knew they, they weren't going to be available anywhere else. Yeah. unless you found one in a used bookstore somewhere mm -hmm. and that's you know it was a very small print run so the odds of finding one you know in a used bookstore at a decent sure. price a manageable price was was pretty low and so i just figured you know i have these books i really still like the stories i'm going to put them out there myself just so that readers can you know find them that way and and be able to access all of my backlist in some way or the other okay yeah, that's got to be like I as an as an author, and you have all of these like this this backlist, and I mean we love backlist titles, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it is it's like some of them are really really hard to track down. Like as an author, what is that feeling like? Of like I have books that people you know, so pe some people come to romance late. Like I came to romance at like the age of thirty, and your Haven Point series was where I started, and so that feeling of like, well, she, one of my favorite authors has a ton of books that I probably will never be able to find for you. Like, mm -hmm. what is 
that light to know, like, I have this extensive backlist, but some of the books, readers just won't have that option of reading. Well, I kind of think at this point with, with Harlequin, the way they are putting out my backlist, at some point, they will probably utilize everything. It, it's challenging for them because I wrote 20 books for Intimate Moments, which were, you know, grittier, very much romantic suspense. And that's not the brand that I have now, mm -hmm. you know, I moved away from that and they were sexier too. Not quite mm -hmm. as sexy maybe as my first love swept, but, but so they're ch the challenge for, I think Harlequin is how do we utilize this in a way that doesn't take away from what we're building here, yeah. you know, in the, in the front list books. And so maybe the best thing I can say is that for readers is, you know, most romance readers end up becoming voracious enough that they go to Kindle at some point because you just can't handle having all those books. And so all of my books, you can find basically all of them except the one that I told you yep. about. <laughs> you I can feel find like I them. know the title because I was stressing out the other day because I was like, I can't find this book okay. anywhere. <laughs> that title is called Wild. No, let's that see. That is Wild Streak. Wild is it the mating game or Wild Streak? And it was Wild Streak. I was like, so, wait a minute. I'm missing a book from the series. <laughs> it's not connected to any of them. So it was set okay. in Colorado. It was... Yeah. And I, it's still a cute book. It's still fun. And I, I, you know, I explored things in that book that were, it was new to me and all of it was exciting and fun and things that I'd maybe, you know, had all these dreams of writing a book and, and was able to bring some of those elements in for that one. But it's just, it didn't fit with the other four yeah. that were part of the, the Whiskey Creek series. Yeah. Um, and so I just said, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that one to myself. <laughs> that well, with the with the republishing, because I love the best-selling author collections. I have a ridiculous amount of them over here on my shelf from all like all the authors. But like I know some of them. I just saw one come out, um, Change of Fortune, that was released only on ebook, and I know it was a title change. Do you have any say when they change titles or anything mm -hmm. like that? It's just it happens. They ask me if I think that that will work with with a new title and okay. some of the things they've done with mine is try to make the titles and the covers match more to my front list you know match more Fair. to the hopes crossing and haven point books whereas uh -huh. you know i had some covers i didn't love back in the day and so i'm mm -hmm. actually not sorry about that <laughs> but they're, they're getting beautiful and the e-books e also they put new covers in and yes. i didn't know this this is a little little pro tip as well um i didn't know this that they were doing but um, i had a meeting a marketing meeting at some time ago and pretty much every time i have a new front list book out they pull all of my ebooks back and put links to the new book in the the actual ebook edition Holocaust oh, does wow. that so that readers who maybe just are discovering that book will be able to access the you know a link to buy the new the sure. new book and so that's one of the reasons I think they put so many versions out on ebook. They're always sending me new covers and I'm thinking, why do we have another cover for this? <laughs> I really like that other cover that yeah. you did. <laughs> but I think a lot of it is because they're trying to make it fresh. They're trying to, you know, sure. freshen the copy up. And, and I don't think they changed the actual copy itself, but they put in these links to, okay. to new books so that readers can find those. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So when you transition from Love Swept to Silhouette, was there like anything 
knew that you had to figure out as a writer and then so then silhouette then becomes harlo like harlequin by silhouette right with right. that it was there any change with that or so when when i sold to them they actually harlequin had already bought them but they kept the name silhouette for several yeah. years and so nothing really changed other than again word count i think was a little bit more than love swept have been i think i if i remember correctly and Again, this was many years, moons ago, <laughs> so many years ago, 20 years was when I think my first Love Swept or my first um, silhouette came out in 99. So, wow. or nine, yeah, is that right? No. I think you're back. right. Yeah, I think it was 99. <laughs> Sorry, the years just, so I know my first book came out in 96. I can tell you mm -hmm. that. That was when my first Love Swept came out. And then I had those five um, mm -hmm. that came out between 96 and 98. I think my last Love Swept came out in 98. And then my first, I sold in 98 to um, my editor and it came out in 99. It was called The Wrangler and the Runaway Mom. And I love that book. I and love the cover to that one. I know. Please don't change the cover to that one. I really <laughs> changed it by now. <laughs> but I'm going to change it now because we talked yeah, about it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so that actually, when I was the news editor at, at the paper, um, a story came across the wire. So my job as the news editor was to go across all, go through all the news stories and figure out what would um, go in our paper that day. And we had a fairly small paper, so I had to be pretty exclusive in what I picked, but all these great stories would come across and I would save them all in a file and think I could write a book about that. That's a great story. Mm -hmm. And I came up, there was one that came about a rodeo doctor. And um, I thought I'm going to write a book about somebody going around. <laughs> On the circuit, being a being a doctor to these cowboys, you know, and so that's kind of where that that idea oh, came. Awesome. And so it and as far as anything else that changed differently, you know, not really because I was already writing. If you've read those early Whiskey Creek books, they were suspenseful. Um, and so I just sort of moved that suspense element over to mm -hmm. uh, writing for special uh, for intimate moments at the time it was really a suspenseful line you could do all this emotional stuff and that's what i liked about it because you could it could be very emotional and 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 character driven but that you could also bring in some of these more suspenseful plots and yeah. so that's what i was doing there and then um i really started even though i was still writing for for intimate moments then it changed to Harlequin intimate moments. Then it changed to Harlequin romantic suspense, the same line. And my editor was there as well, but then she became the senior editor at special edition. And if you remember from the beginning of our chat, that was where I originally started. I wanted, yeah, that was my favorite line, the mm -hmm. line I read the most, the line I wanted to write for. So when my editor went to become the senior editor, I, I was like, I want to write for special edition. I mm -hmm. really do. I've loved them forever. And so um, Harlequin finally agreed to let me, um, we did a big contract where I had to write three more intimate moments and then I could switch to, to special edition. And so that was sort of how I made it. And already my books at the end of my time writing for, for intimate moments, romantic suspense, I was really focusing on that small town and that community and all those things that I would become, you know, that would become really my brand. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was really an easy transition to write for special edition. And that was all, I want to say 2006, I think is when I kind of made the switch from writing sort of the more uh, romantic suspense to writing the more emotional small town stories. Like my Cowboys of Cold Creek was my first yes. special edition series. Love that series. Yeah, the, the original three, it was only supposed to be a trilogy. Okay. And so it was originally only supposed to be about the three um, brothers, uh, the, the Dalton, I think Dalton brothers. And then um, I actually 
funny story. I had a dream about another Cold Creek book and I went to, and I was meeting with my editor in New York, which I had never done before. I had, was at a conference in New Jersey. And um, so I went into the city for my first time and was so excited to go into the city and meet with my <laughs> editor. And I told her over lunch, I said, okay, I had a dream about this book. I want to write this book. Uh, it's a Christmas book and I want to write it in Cold Creek if that's okay. She's like, yes, let's do it. So that was the only book I ever sold on a, like a conversation where I just said, here's my dream. And it, and it started it was with a dream, book. literally. Yeah. It was the only book that ever like came to me in a dream too. And that was, wow. that book was The Cowboy's Christmas Miracle. Yes. So, anyway, that's the little story there. Oh, love it. So we both recently, we, we have The Path to Sunshine Cove, your most recent <laughs> release, uh, which is a romance between Jess and Nate, but also it's a really beautiful story of sisterhood between mm -hmm. Jess and her sister, Rachel, who has a, lost, uh, a lot of marriage and motherhood issues she's grappling with. And the book also has this really cool lady named Eleanor, who is the reason <laughs> Jess returns to Cape Sanctuary in the first place. She's hired to help her clean out her home. She doesn't want her son, Nate, to have the burden of cleaning out her home when she's gone. Can you share with us where the ideas and inspiration for this story came from? Sure. That was another one of those cases where, you know, because of my newspaper experience, I sort of got in the habit of writing down ideas when they come to me because I know someday I'm going to need an idea. <laughs> so yeah. anytime I read something or hear something on the radio or that I think I could do, I could make a book out of that, I'll just write it down and I use just the app on my phone or on my computer, you know, and, and I keep notes and every idea has its own little note card. Um, and so when I was trying to come up with another single another uh, hardcover idea so i had written i have the cliff house which came out in hardcover that was my very first one and then the second one was the sea glass cottage and i needed another one because you know i ha i was contracted to write another one i didn't really have a great idea um and i we were going to plot group with jill chavis um and i needed something there so i went back to my idea file and i had an idea for i'd heard on the radio about a company that helps senior citizens clean out their homes it's called, it was called I think autumn transitions or something like that. And mm -hmm. I thought that would be a great career for somebody who likes to travel around, doesn't want to put down roots, wants to, you know, has reasons for not wanting to put down roots. Um, and, and I thought what a great job to be able to go in at people's houses and help them clean out their stuff. Having gone through that with my own parents and with my husband's parents, I know how hard that can be to have to, you know, take a lifetime of, of things and condense them down to what's most important. So that was sort of the genesis there. And then I had the other idea of maybe two sisters who had endured a, a difficult tragedy in their past, how they both deal with it differently because of their circumstances. And that was sort of what, you know, I had two sisters basically who are very different. Rachel is all about home and family and connections and roots because she ended up because after this tragic situation where their parents died in their youth, um, the, the two of them, um, Jess ended up in a, in a group home and Rachel ended up in a loving foster family. And I, I wanted to show the contrast between how that affected them both and what as adults, how they, those, the scars from their childhood are still in their life. Rachel became this perfectionist. Everything had to be just right because mm -hmm. that's how she dealt with, you know, what they dealt with as children. Um, and Jess, on the other hand, very much doesn't want to have people hurt, let people hurt her because that's how she internalized what happened 
to their life, you know? And so basically that was where it started. I brought the idea to the plot group and basically how that works is, you know, you send out ahead of time, you've got the characters all developed kind of as much as you can and a few plot possibilities. And then we go to plot group and we just nail down what are the turning points in this book? What's the dark moment? What Mm -hmm. are some events that could happen? Why does this need to happen? What's the motivation here? And we just hash it out and I get four hours of the plot group with these great authors and their brilliant minds. <laughs> and, <laughs> and by the end of it, you know, I've kind of got a fully formed idea and, mm-hmm. and just go home and just sort of hash out more of the details. And then of course you then have to write the book, which is the hard part, but yeah. <laughs> the plotting is fun. The, the writing part is hard, but that's kind of where it, where it started. And, and I love that book. It's, it, I think it's one of my favorites just because I really feel like I love Jess and I loved Rachel. Mm-hmm. And I love being able to show both of their stories yeah. in one book. And Agreed. Mm-hmm. So there were two Eleanor quotes that we hi- highlighted and we have to share. So this is her and Jess um be- in the beginning stages of moving you know going through her stuff she says this is harder than i thought it would be my whole life since i was 25 years old is wrapped up in this house my husband's entire life was wrapped up in it sifting through a legacy is hard now i understand why some people love this leave this until they're gone and a bit further on she says this won't be easy but i think I just have to push my way through the heart, don't I? That is what life is all about. And both of those quotes are very spot on for the project Eleanor and Jess are tackling, but they are also so fitting for the really estranged relationship, I feel like, Mm -hmm. between Jess and her sister, Rachel. Mm -hmm. It also felt like a reminder that when sifting through legacies, you don't have to do it alone. Was there Mm -hmm. anything in particular about Eleanor's character that you hoped would resonate with the readers? Because she's like, I felt like she was kind of this, the core of the story like the story yeah. wouldn't be without Eleanor she was really at the heart of it and I agree and I didn't expect that when I started the book I thought she was just sort of an extra character you know she's she's a catalyst character because she's the one who brings Jess mm-hmm. back to this little town of Cape Sanctuary which is where Rachel lives with her family just for readers who haven't read the book Jess ends up taking this job with Eleanor and in the same town where her sister Rachel lives Rachel is dealing with um, she, their young son has recently been diagnosed with autism. And so Jess feels like, you know, she's, she's been the drop in aunt who comes by really briefly mm-hmm. for visits. And she thought, well, here's an opportunity for me to spend a few weeks in the same community and, and really get to know my nieces a little bit better and help my sister maybe with, with her nep this nephew that she barely knew, you know? And so she, that's the reason she comes to town. Eleanor in the process really did become important because she has she's a vital link between all of them and and i think she's this wise woman who fills a role for jess as a as a loving maternal figure which Mm -hmm. jess really didn't have you know as as you get into the story you find more about their their mother was very emotionally damaged i think herself and so she just couldn't give that to her daughters um Mm -hmm. because she had she was so you know, she had a lot of issues, their mother. And so she couldn't give what the daughters needed. And I think Eleanor provides that in a way. And again, I didn't expect it. Sometimes that happens in the writing process where you need a character and you need to, you know, have that person there because they're moving the plot forward. But then they, in their own right, become so important to everything else that happens in the book. Yeah, I love that. That was definitely her. Yeah. (laughs) And we have to talk about Rachel because Rachel had a lot going on. It felt like she was just really exhausted and it felt like 
she was trying to seek connection. Like she felt like Jess kept so much of herself closed off and they both want to like bridge the gap, but I don't know. There's like, you know, there's just like a little bit of stubbornness and hesitation. I don't, (laughs) it was, it was good. It was so good. And with Rachel, it's like, she believes it as a mom and a wife that she's failing to hold things together. And both of the sisters are very complex, which along the lines of the romance, uh, that feels like it'll, it, it it's never going to happen. Their relationship feels like mm-hmm. it's never going to be, it's not fixable. Mm-hmm. So when writing the story that explores both romantic relationships and familial, how do you manage? Cause you do this mm-hmm. perfectly yep. to balance both we felt happy with the happy ever after that we get with um jess and nate and then rachel and her husband's situation uh, but also seeing the sisters yeah. reconcile like how do you juggle both so we plotted those separately as separate plot points and and i learned this tip from susan mallory who i've also plotted with before and she's fabulous at it and she's i mean she's brilliant at putting together a story like this and so you know you plot the the relationship between jess and nate separately so you know all the turning points in their story you know what needs to happen in their romance like you plot it as a basically a novella um, because you can't get a full, you know, book mm-hmm. because you've got these other elements. So you plot it as a, as a, maybe a 60,000 word novella, which is <laughs> long, which is more like a category row. So maybe 50,000 words anyway. And then I plotted Jess's story with her, or I mean, sorry, um, Rachel's story with her husband, the turning mm-hmm. points there, what happens, mm-hmm. what brings them together? And finally, what black moment do they have between them? And then I plotted the same relationship between um, Jess and Rachel, their turning points, what brings them together, what is finally the resolution in their relationship and and the new possibilities for a happy life together. You plot those all independently and then you write every scene down on an index card. This was again, a Susan Mallory tip. She writes every single scene down on an index card with a different color for each point of view and plot line. And so then you take them all and you figure out where do these all fit together? How can I fit them together? And then you just order them. And Susan actually writes them on physical cards and lays them out on the floor and puts them in order and thinks, no, this scene needs to go here. This scene needs to go here. So Mm -hmm. when it's different colors, you can see Mm -hmm. um, these are, you know, these are different. I've, I've done too much about Jess right here. I need to do something about Rachel, put a scene about Rachel or whatever. Um, because it's all different colors and you can see it in front of you visually. I do it on an app on my iPad, which I didn't bring down here with me, but I have an app. It's just called index card. It's the same thing. And it has every scene laid out. Um, and then I order them in the way that I want them to go for the story or the way I think the story will work together. Um, and then I just start writing. I sit down and I know what I'm writing next because I've got them all in order. I know what scene needs to come next. And I, I have to write in order. Some, some authors can skip around And Mm -hmm. I can't, I have to, the book has to be very much in the, you know, time frame that I I have to write it. And so I just sit down and start writing. And that's, that was Susan's best. When I was writing my first hardcover and I was so overwhelmed and I didn't know where to start writing a bigger book that had all these subplots, you know, Mm -hmm. Susan just kind of took me by the hand and said, okay, here's what you do. It's not as bad as you think. You just think you're writing two novellas and a novel and then you're weaving them together you know so like the main story is the novel and then the novellas are the the two subplots 
So can we send Miss um, Susan Mallory a big box of index cards? Cause- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make sure they're different colors. Yeah. <laughs> I read her before summer ends last mm-hmm. month and I was like, oh, it's so good. I she's know. she's she's part of Sarah's, she called it her holy trinity. <laughs> yeah, I do. Susan yeah. Mallory, Susan Wiggs, and Cheryl Woods. <laughs> right. There you go. Are the That's first three that I started with. That. Yeah. And you know, here's the interesting. They started at special edition, right? Cheryl Woods yep. started at special edition. I think Susan might have written one or two, maybe not Susan Wiggs, but Susan no, Mallory, I don't think of course, so. started at special oh, yeah. edition as well. Oh, yeah. And so there's something definitely there in helping you learn how to write emotion and how to tell the story and mm-hmm. tell the, the story that needs to be told in a short amount of space. That's why I love writing category. I still write them. You know, I still have one yep. coming out, you know, because there is something so perfect about that shorter formula because you can get everything in there that you need, but it's in a mm-hmm. small living space. Agreed. And that's what we got excited about because like with, with before summer ends, for instance, you know, I was freaking, I was like, Oh, this is so cute. And Sarah's like, do you know how long it's been since we've gotten a category from, from Susan, Susan Mallory? Mallory? I so was like, to, like, see your, your names on these category romances. Yeah. It's like, they don't have to do this necessarily, but yeah. they are. And that's, it's so amazing. Revisiting your roots in a way. <laughs> well, it is, you know, it is, it really is. And it, and I feel very comfortable when I go back to that um, because there's something, the rhythm of it just feels so right because I've done so many, I know, mm-hmm. okay, there needs to, something has to happen here quickly because, you know, I'm getting close to the end and I've got to, yeah. <laughs> I've got to bring some things to, to resolution here. And so there is very much, it's a comfortable place. But I, that said, I do love writing the bigger books as well. Just yeah. having a bigger plate sand sandbox to play mm-hmm. in, you know, and you can, like, I can, I could never write a story like, um, you know, the path to sunshine cove in category because there's just not room to explore a sister's relationship in those books. You have right. to very much focus. Every plot point has to push the romance forward because you just don't have time to bring in, you know, heavier subplots. And with these books, one thing that we, we chat about a lot is one thing that we really like to see is we are seeing more romance authors that are kind of straddling the line between romance and women's fiction, like just blending the two. Um, and I loved getting, you know, seeing Jess and Nate's romance, but also like that sisterly romance, I mean, the sisterly relationship as as well. Is that something that you're like, you want to explore more stories that balance, okay, a romance, but also familial relationships? Is that something like you're consciously aware of or, you know, how does that come to be? Very much so. And I think some of that comes from from just getting older <laughs> and realizing that, yes, these romantic relationships are so important. You know, obviously I love romance and I will never not wrote, write, never not have a romantic element in my books. That's, that's my heart belongs to those. But I also realize how, as you get older, you realize how important all these other relationships are yeah. in your life. Yeah. And, and there's problems, you know, you deal with issues with your kids and issues with you know, your siblings and issues with, you know, your friends and all those are important and, and really um, make for a, for a rich and beautiful life. And so I do like exploring some of those themes 
I, it it's hard. It's hard, especially the books that we write. It's hard to figure out how can I bring something new and different to this that because so many people write women's fiction, you know, and I don't want to go into some of those dark themes. I just don't. I want my books, readers to finish reading my books and feel happy and feel mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, they, they overcame their challenges. I can deal with mine today. <laughs> you know, this yeah. gave me a little bit of, of strength today to face what I'm going through right now. You know, that's kind of what I try to bring to every single book. And it is hard to figure out what new and fresh and interesting thing can I bring to this to the table today that my readers mm -hmm. will say, you haven't done that before. You know, you haven't explored that issue before or whatever. And, and that's, I think that's why Jill and I both say, as we, um, the more books we write, the harder everyone seems to bring something yeah. fresh and new to. Yeah. <laughs> you'd think it wouldn't be, you'd think we'd know what we're doing, but it just seems like, you know, we have to kind of relearn the process all over again every time and also find the magic again every time. Yeah. I mean, with this one, like I have a special needs kid. My, my my sister has a special needs kid. And I, that feeling of like, I am failing at something. <laughs> like I am failing the whole, it is very real. So, I mean, I loved that. I love seeing that with Rachel and how, you know, Jess really, she had to call her out. <laughs> I loved that moment in the book where Jess kind of calls her out. Yeah. I mean. He says you're throwing away a beautiful marriage because you want everything to be perfect and it can't yeah. be, you know, mm -hmm. and that is something I think you have to, have to accept. I, I think that comes with maturity sometimes as women too. We have to say, you know, we, we can't have this beautiful, perfect life. Everybody has something hard. That's mm -hmm. just the way it is. You know, I have a special needs son as well. And so writing Rachel, some of those emotions definitely came from my heart, from mm -hmm. especially from those early days. Our son is like 24 now, but I remember those early days of just feeling, you know, I've got to research every possible treatment. I've got to do this. I've got to take him to every therapy that is out there, mm -hmm. you know, and I've got to work with him for hours a day on these things okay. or else he's not going to become, you know, the, his best person that he possibly can, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I think at some point you say, I love him for who he is right now. I'm not going to put him through more treatments right now because yeah. it's hard for him. And so you realize you come to some acceptance. And I think that was part of Rachel's, Rachel's journey there. And I think that's part of our journey as women to realize my life is not perfect, but it's beautiful the way it mm -hmm. is right now. Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. to find those things of grace and beauty in all of our lives, because we all have them, even if we're in the midst of hard things. The hard is there for all of us, but yeah. it's just what we need to. And so, okay, I promise this is the last thing about Rachel I'm going to say. <laughs> but like, okay, the way that you kind of, you set the book up, I was like, her husband better not be cheating on her. Like, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it listeners if you haven't read it but like that's how you feel when you go into it and the more that you read you see things are good you are just that it's that perfectionist in her yeah and I think again that came from her childhood because she yeah. she that was she's controlling everything now because so many things were out of their control as teenagers mm -hmm. so she's she's dealt with that by becoming controlling about making sure that the table looks beautiful every time they sit down to eat and their house is perfect. And she throws a party and the cake has to be just right, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and she can't deal with the fact that life is not perfect and life yeah. is ugly sometimes. And, um, mm -hmm. but that's her journey. And that was part of, you know, what she had to accept and what, and the moment that it connected for me was when 
her husband was taking care of the kids. I can't remember what they were doing, but like, I think there was a birthday party or something. They yeah, it was up. the birthday. And he gets like, they get dirty. And he's like, Stylus was so happy. Yeah. And she's like freaking out. And I'm like, I get you, Rachel. I'm connecting it here. <laughs> yeah, the little boy gets the water hose and sprays the party. Yeah, I love like, that. He's like, I'm so happy. And that to the dad, like that was the, the highlight of it all. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, okay. Coming next, you have a Brambleberry Summer, which is part of the Women of Brambleberry House series. Mm-hmm. The first book of, in that series released in 2007, according to Fantastic mm-hmm. Fiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so when you sat down to write the first book, uh, The Daddy Makeover, a.k.a. The House on Cannon Beach, which has a beautiful new yes. cover, and I'm trying <laughs> to track it down. Did you know then that this that, that was a first book in a series you'd be writing, and what inspired you to return to the series because it's been a while so it was originally a three book series that was my plan that it was only only going to be three books and I not for a long time that's kind of where things stood it was the I'm gonna probably not remember them exactly in their original titles but um so it was the the first one the daddy makeover his second chance family and a soldier's secret and Mm -hmm. so it was about three women basically living in this house and there's a benevolent spirit in this house who is a matchmaker kind of behind the scenes you never actually see or anything and people are like do i believe in this or not believe in this or whatever um so it was I, it was set in oregon which is one of my favorite places and originally that's all it was going to be and then um my editor who still is the senior editor for special edition after i'd started i think i'd done the hopes crossing series and maybe several of the haven points she says we still want you to write for special edition do you think you could do a few more. And so I came up with a new trilogy to go back to that area okay. Um, okay. and write a new trilogy. So the first one actually came out two years ago and it was called a soldier's return. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so it's basically the same house. It's just it's kind of a new generation of people in the same house living there. And then the second book is coming out um, in July or at the end of June. And that is also linking another series of mine. I was wondering if I had a copy of there. I don't. Um, but another series of mine, which was um, The Searchers. And there was a yes! book in that. Yes. <laughs> that was for intimate moments. There was a book in that um, called the, no, I'm going to, sorry, titles just escaped me, especially early in the morning. Sorry. You're uh, ranting. <laughs> you have a lot of titles. Okay. Oh we don't expect you to remember all no. of them. <laughs> So many titles, so little time. But this was the um, Shelter from the Storm is the title of it. And there was a character in that called named Rosa Galvez, who was a secondary character kind of in that book. And um, she was the catalyst character in that she um, escaped from a terrible situation. And the characters in that book had to rescue her and save her from these bad guys. And I have many readers who've asked me over the years for her book. And so she is actually the second book. I'm really excited about this because not only is it another Brambleberry House book, but it's Rosa Galvez's book, which I've been yearning to write forever. So I had the opportunity to read it. Yes. (laughs) Shout out to uh, Stephanie from the Heart of the... I also, uh, I've already... (laughs) (laughs) She hooked us up. Yep. Um, So... 
you're amazing. You're amazing at writing these cozy small town settings with these really welcoming characters. You invite the reader in, we get all cozy and comfortable, and then you totally let loose on the suspense (laughs) and intrigue. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I wasn't expecting Rosa's story to go the way that it went. (laughs) So um, what do you enjoy about adding that element into your stories? And does any of your love of intrigue have anything to do with your experience as a journalist? I feel like now we know that maybe this is a possibility. But <laughs> So, you know, I didn't expect her story to end up having that um, intrigue element to it. But when I set her up in this small town with the police officer as the hero, I kind of, because she'd been through so many hard things and that was kind of her journey was, you know, showing courage. She'd been showing courage all along in her life. And so I had to, as I got into the plotting process, I'm like, I've got to have, some element of danger here that she can show she's overcome her past because she's willing to, you know, face, face hard things still. And so mm-hmm. that that was sort of in the plotting process, kind of what I realized had to happen. If I hadn't put that in there, I don't think, you know, it would have shown her growth from where she was at 15 to where she is today. Um, I, I don't write, suspense very often anymore um and it was actually really hard for me to go back to that <laughs> because i'm out of practice because i mean, i think my last one uh, my last silhouette or my last sorry romantic suspense was shelter from the storm i think was the very last one that i'd written so that was 2000 and i don't know when that one came out but anyway um it's i like that i do like writing it it reminded me as i was writing it that i do enjoy those elements because you know especially in a um, contemporary romance you don't have any of that mm-hmm. it all has to be about the emotion and the character growth and so sometimes when you have external plot points it really does help move the story forward and show those character you know changes the character arc mm-hmm. in a different way and so it was fun to bring in some of that stuff and yeah. figure i still don't know exactly what the third story is going to be i imagine it will be about the other woman that was in the in the book um and, but i haven't exactly worked out her plot yet yeah fair enough <laughs> and i mean the scene where rosa has to be strong mm-hmm. she's alone she yeah. go inside close the door yeah. do this and she's there by herself <laughs> and I, it was it was intense mm-hmm. it was so good well <laughs> and it was one of those situations where i originally thought well he's gonna come and rescue her that's just the way it's gonna be and then as i started writing i'm like no she's got to deal with this by herself yeah she has mm-hmm. to be because that shows again how strong she is and how she's she took those things that happened to her that were bad when she was 15 and and um really became this amazing wonderful powerful woman who can handle hard things and she needed to realize that about herself i think um and so she had to be by herself the, and now the hero that walks alone a- that's part of the hero's <laughs> journey right exactly <laughs> exactly and now that it's been a couple of days I, I i think about it like for the what was the other lady's name the um jenna gosh, is that jenna was it yeah <laughs> She comes to this small town, right? And she's like blending in and everybody's welcoming her. And you know something's up, right? Like mm-hmm. it's from the beginning, you know something's up. But then the, the charming small townness kind of works against her because when this mm-hmm. other person starts asking questions and stuff like that, it's like, oh yeah, we know, you know, and it's like, <laughs> right. oh no, it kind of worked <laughs> against her. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's hard to hide out in the small town because everybody yeah. knows the business, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody, yeah. 
everybody says, oh, yeah, she's the new girl who's living up at Brambleberry House. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's not that, in, that immediate instinct of like, you sound like a creep. I don't know why you're asking about this person. Yeah. I don't know who she yeah. is. <laughs> you know, like yeah, there's not right. that immediate thought. Mm-hmm. So are you ready to do some fill in the sentence and then some rapid fire? That's how I we so. ended up. <laughs> <laughs> it's still very early here. So I hope I've got my brain. There's no <laughs> pass or fail. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, one of my favorite desserts is? Creme brulee. I order it in every, every chance I can. Yum. Uh, my most comfortable attire is? Um, yoga pants and loose t-shirts. That's my writing uniform. <laughs> we support that. <laughs> One movie I'll never stop watching is? Um, Pride and Prejudice, the Kira Knightley version. I do like the other one, but I love that one. Okay. Um, the first song on the soundtrack to my life is? This one, boy, I... <laughs> I can't answer that one because there's so many songs that, that fit me, but let's go crazy. Let's say that. <laughs> nice. Um, one thing I like within arm's reach while writing is. I always have water. I sip water all day long. And something I know now as a writer that I wish I'd known back when I was writing my first book. That readers are so much a part of the process and so important to the process and I feel such a great sense of responsibility to bring them something that's going to make their day better. Awesome. Rapid fire. One of my favorite tropes to read is? Um, marriage of Convenience. Nice. Ooh. One category romance series you'd love to see make a comeback is? Um... I probably would like to write of my own or someone else's. Am I it doesn't matter. To? Um, Either or. I, well, the Cowboys of Cold Creek, let's say. There you go. <laughs> I, <love laughs> yes, that I agree. I agree. Um, one hill you will wholeheartedly die on is? Um, there will always be a romance in my books. No matter what people tell me, <laughs> I will always have a little story. Sneak it in there, please. Sneak it in That's there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, 15 years from now, you're writing your memoir. What is it titled? She faced hard things and managed to do it with grace. <laughs> nice. Love it. The most random place an idea for a book came to me was... Um, in a dream. I was going to say, yeah. yeah the dream. <laughs> and last but not least, it's Saturday night and you decide you want takeout for dinner. Where do you order from and what's your order? Um, I would probably order from, there's a restaurant in our town called Elements and they have this teriyaki chicken that's fabulous. Ooh. And yeah. creme brulee, I would make and sure. Creme of creme course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, this has been... A dream come true. Absolutely. <laughs> Where can everyone follow you online to keep up with what you have going on and what's next? Uh, so the best place to find me is um, my website, which is just rayanthane.com. I also am pretty active on Facebook at author Rayanne Thane. I actually have a book group as well. I'm not super um, 
active on that, but we have a monthly live book group and that's lots of fun to do a monthly live uh, appearance with my readers. And I usually feature another author um, and that's lots of fun too, but I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. I'm not super active on those platforms, but I am there. Okay. All righty. Well, all of your links and your information will be listed down in the show notes. Listeners, make sure you go follow and keep up with the Ray and Thane. <laughs> so fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for chatting yes, with us. You. And Sarah and I will chat with you all in our next episode. Have a lovely day. Bye.